this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We ask others, how's your walk with the Lord? What are we talking about? We're talking about the relationship, that fellowship. So here's the question that we want to consider. What does it look like to walk with God? If we were to say about somebody, oh, no, that person's really walking with the Lord, what would we be looking at? What would be indicating to us that that was indeed the case? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapter 5 in a message titled, Walking with God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Genesis chapter 5. The fourth chapter ended with the birth of Seth, who would replace Abel as the seed through whom the promise of a savior would ultimately be fulfilled. The fifth chapter begins with Adam's obituary. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 900 and 30 years, and he died. And he died. You remember. You remember what God had declared to Adam and to Eve. Of all the trees in the garden, you may eat freely, but of the tree in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat it, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. And as we pointed out, There was initially that spiritual death, but now we come to the the physical manifestation of that. 930 years or so later. As we go through these genealogies, we notice these long, long lives. 930 years for Adam, 365 years for Enoch, 969 years for Methuselah. Now, some have thought that this is figurative language. Others that months were being counted as years. One problem with the month-year idea is that Enoch would have only been five and a half years old when Methuselah was born. So even though it's, it's a bit difficult for 
us to grasp these long, long years of life, 930 years, 969 years, that I think is really what is being taught here. And prior to the flood, and because the degenerative effects of the fall on the human gene pool had not yet accumulated greatly, because the the pre-flood environment was so different, people did live much longer before the flood. Now, immediately after the time of the flood, we notice that the lifespan rapidly shortens. It's interesting, in the Babylonian account of early civilization, the first 10 kings are stated to have lived 65,000 years. So that's obviously mythological. It's obviously severely exaggerated. But I think in, in sort of an indirect way, it, it points to the fact that men did live longer in the pre-flood world. Now, the remainder of this fifth chapter follows Seth's descendants to the eighth generation, bringing us to Noah. And we will discuss Noah in our next study. But I want to concentrate on verses 18 through 24. Let me read those verses to you. Verses 18 through 24. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch, he walked with God. He walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, I want you to notice that We read there in verse 22, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Now, I'm not saying definitely that he didn't walk with God before that, but it doesn't say whether he did or didn't. But it seems to you know, it seems to connect those two things, that it was after the birth of Methuselah that Enoch began to walk with God. You know, there are many different things that can happen in our lives that will turn us toward the Lord. And I have heard myself of 
people who uh, really had little to no interest in the Lord or following the Lord until they had children. I've heard of people who witnessing the birth of their child, they were so moved by what was evidently a miracle that it was that event that turned them toward the Lord. Maybe that's what happened with Enoch. We don't know. I've heard of people who it wasn't so much the birth experience that turned them toward the Lord, but it was in having children, there was a new sense of responsibility and obligation. And that caused them to really start thinking more seriously about life. And, and I've talked to people who told me that, you know, it was through the birth of their children that they were brought to the Lord. Maybe that was the case with Enoch. But perhaps there was something that God even revealed to Enoch through the birth of his son, Methuselah. Did God show Enoch something prophetic through the birth of Methuselah that affected him? Perhaps that did happen because, interestingly, the name Methuselah, uh, some people would say, some Hebrew scholars would say, Uh, The name means, when he is dead, it shall come. So it could very well be that along with, with the birth of Methuselah, there was a prophetic revelation given to Enoch. There was a revelation that God would judge the world. And Perhaps it was that that brought Enoch to that place of beginning to really walk with the Lord. We don't know for sure, but it does seem that there is a connection between the birth of Methuselah and Enoch's walking with God. Enoch is mentioned twice in the New Testament. It's interesting, once in that little epistle of Jude, It's there we read concerning Enoch. Now Enoch prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Enoch, we see, Not only did he walk with God, but he had a a prophetic ministry. He evidently had a preaching ministry. Enoch is also mentioned in the epistle to the Hebrews. Now, we're told here that he walked with God, and this is obviously something that was, I I don't know if unusual is exactly the right word, but this, this was something noticeable. There was something distinct in Enoch's life in regard to his relationship with the Lord, and he is referred to as one who walked with God. Now, what is implied in walking with God? 
Well, I think two things specifically. Number one, there would have been obedience. In order to walk with God, you would have to be submitted to his authority, so there would have been obedience. But I think there's also intimated here that there was an intimacy, that there was a special closeness that Enoch enjoyed with the Lord. And then we read that Enoch walking with God was not, for God took him. Now, here's where the New Testament sheds a little bit more light on that statement. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So he didn't see death. When it says Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him, he did not experience death, the New Testament writer tells us. Enoch had his own personal rapture. That's really what happened. He was walking with God. He was living in fellowship with God, experiencing that intimacy with the Lord. And suddenly, and probably without any advance notice, he was taken. He was taken to be with the Lord. Now, we, like Enoch, we are called to walk with the Lord. We, we use that terminology quite often, don't we? We refer to our walk with the Lord. We ask others, how's your walk with the Lord? What are we talking about? We're talking about the relationship. We're talking about that, that fellowship. So here's the question that we want to consider. What does it look like to walk with God. If we were to say about somebody, oh, oh, that person's really walking with the Lord, what, what would we be looking at? What would be indicating to us that that was indeed the case? Now, in many places in the New Testament, this terminology is used. And I've just chosen seven different places where walking with the Lord is spoken about. But as we think about that, what it would look like, what we would expect to see with somebody who's walking with the Lord, the first thing would be love. Because the Bible tells us that we are to walk in love as Christ loved us. So a person who's walking with the Lord is a person who's going to be walking in love. A person who loves others. They love their neighbor as themselves. They love the people of God. They even, as Jesus said, would have love for their enemies. You know, there's something so beautiful about a new believer, isn't there? You know, isn't it exciting when you meet a new believer 
somebody who's just, you know, they've come out of the world and they're fresh in their relationship with the Lord. And, you know, sometimes I look on at new believers and I, I look on sometimes enviously. I think, oh, look at that. Look at that innocence. Look at that simplicity. Look at how they just love everybody. <laughs> they don't know yet. <laughs> but you know, that's the way it's always supposed to be. And as we walk with the Lord, as we walk with that, that close, intimate experience with him, one of the things that we're going to find is that the love of God is going to fill our hearts. And the love of God is going to overflow our hearts. I have to confess, I've been convicted recently about my lack of love. I have uh, selective love. (laughs) There are people it's very easy to love. And then there are people that it just, you know, it just isn't so easy. It seems like lately on the road, the people on the road driving <laughs> alongside of me are just, you know, creating all kinds of problems for me. And I'm finding myself just getting so uptight and, and sort of hostile, you know, and uh, seriously, and, and the Lord really, a few days ago, just convicted me, said, you know, you need to really cool off. What are you thinking? And, and it's easy, I, I know you can relate, you know, it's easy to justify. It's like, but Lord, they, you know, these people are idiots. I mean, they shouldn't do this kind of stuff. I, the people shouldn't drive like this. If they, you know, they, they shouldn't be on the road if they're going to drive like that. And, uh, you know, I had a situation the other day, and I, I told Cheryl when I got home, I said, you know, I said, you know, I almost got in a fight with three guys today. I, and, and, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be and all that. And I thought, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I don't watch it. But, it, you know, I kind of felt like it was a bit of a warning from the Lord. You need to cool off. You need to mellow out. But I remember, and, and honestly, I was trying to think back. I think, Lord, I remember the days when I was just, I just loved everybody, you know? Just kind of like a hippie or something, you know? I just... <laughs> It was all, you know, somebody gets mad at you and they, you know, start cussing you out or something. You're just like, hey, peace, man, you know? It's cool. Jesus loves you. And then, you know, you get to a place where you kind of forget all of that and you want to just, you know, give them one back or something. Well, see, I'm, I'm telling you the opposite of what it looks like. Uh, <laughs> But that's right at the top of the list. We're walking with the Lord. We've got that intimate relationship going with him. It's going to result in love. Love just, it's just overflowing my life. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna look at people. I'm gonna have compassion on them. I'm gonna have mercy toward them. I'm gonna look at them in their pitiful state. And I'm gonna just say, oh, Lord, help that person. Walking in love. But we're also told that we are to walk circumspectly. We are to walk circumspectly. It means to be walking carefully. 
The word circumspectly actually means to, to look around as you're going, to be aware of your surroundings, and to be careful and to be cautious. And of course, the context, walking carefully, walking cautiously, the context would be in regard to making sure that we're, we're walking in a way that's pleasing to God. We're walking in a way that's glorifying God. We're, we're walking in a way that God is approving. So we're not careless about our lives. We're not going through life haphazardly as believers, but we're going through life thoughtfully. We're walking circumspectly. We're taking into consideration the the decisions we're making and the things that we're engaging in and all of those kinds of things because we want to be pleasing the Lord. I, I want to make sure my life is in harmony with God's will, with God's plan, with God's desire. And so I'm cautious. And as I'm moving in a direction, I'm thinking, well, now, Lord, is this the direction you want me to go in? And if there's something that I maybe get a sense, maybe a check in my heart, you know, I don't know. I don't think that this is what God would have me to do. Then I, I pull back from that. I'm not going to push down that road. I'm, I'm walking circumspectly. We're told to walk in wisdom. Would be similar. But walking in wisdom, making wise decisions, wise choices. You know, it is so easy to make a decision on a whim that you could regret for a long, long, long time to come. And people do that sort of thing all the time because they're not walking in wisdom. We need to have a wise approach to life. There's a lot of emphasis in our society on knowledge and little emphasis on wisdom. There are a lot of smart people around. And it's astounding when you look at their lives and you think, now, I know that guy's smart. How could his life be so messed up? How could he make such stupid decisions? How could he constantly be getting himself into these kinds of things? You see, the problem is he doesn't have any wisdom. He's not walking in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And as we seek God and fear God, he gives us that wisdom. So, so we're walking through life and we're, we're walking through life with wisdom. All the world desperately needs wisdom in this hour. People of wisdom, people that can give clear, wise counsel. Those who walk with God are able to do that. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. I want to tell you about a really fun book that I stumbled across recently. It's by Andrew Wilson. 
And it's a book called God of All Things, subtitle, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World. And the cover of the book kind of says it all. There's a bird, there's a pig, there's a tree, there's a flower, there's a salt shaker, a loaf of bread, a fish, there's rain. And Andrew does an amazing job of just looking at all of these common things around us and seeing different aspects of who God is and what he's done through those things. So I used it for a devotional time. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend Andrew Wilson's God of All Things. Again, this month's resource is a book titled God of All Things, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World by Andrew Wilson. You can order the book God of All Things by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The God of All Things by Andrew Wilson, to help you discover God is in the everyday things of life. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.